Welcome to the EcoBot Podcast, where we dive into what matters most for 21st century wetland scientists and continue in our journey in respect to the convergence of wetland science and technology. I'm your host, Jeremy Shavey. And on today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into practical applications and tools being utilized in the environmental consulting industry for mapping and field data collection. In previous episodes, we have leaned into the evolution and performance-driven digital ecosystem of GIS software, satellites, GNSS receivers, field applications, and more. This enhanced and new wetland data ecosystem is improving field efficiency, prediction modeling, regulatory reporting preparation, and resilience planning. But how exactly are field scientists and project managers best improving workflow with all of these revolutionary technologies? Today, I'm joined by Erica Pergandi from SEH, Chris Fleming from BDY Environmental, and Jennifer Herrera from ESE Partners. Let's hear how they are leveraging apps and technology in the new wetland data ecosystem that allows them to maximize workflow efficiency. But first, let's talk about geospatial data gathered in preparation prior to heading into the field. So let's go ahead and take a look at the field prep. We're getting ready to go out in the field and conduct our wetland delineations. What are the things that we need to do? Creating your base map and whatever tools uh, that you are use, utilizing. I'm using ArcGIS Pro uh, for before when I'm working with a project. And then how can, in some projects, especially when we're looking at projects, how can we potentially build a prediction model using existing LIDAR data, uh, wetness indicator data, and then using some of the combinations of those tools in Arc Hydro's uh, extension with the WIM tool or in QGIS has multiple tools that can be utilized as well. So whether we're just creating a base map or we're creating a prediction model, doing both, taking the results of that and uh, exporting those shapefiles to an iOS device so that we can utilize those files in the field. And so just to get into the granularity now a little bit, what does that look like? So uh, with Ecobot, of course, we can download some basic aerial imagery so that you have your base tiles so that you can work offline and have a really high level of detail of what you're looking at in terms of the photos and then be able to collect your wetland cells and units and also see your sample points within that. So how I'm using that currently when I go in the field is I'm using Ecobot to do the mapping, but in field maps is where I have all my parcel files. I've got my uh, soil units uh, from the uh, USGS, and then I also have my NWI map polygons so I can see those in there as well. And so I kind of use that as, as reference more than anything. But one of the exciting things that Ecobot and Esri and our partnership are working on currently is creating a seamless bridge back and forth between those. But you'll hear a little bit more about what other people are doing here shortly. So let's talk a little bit about the Bluetooth GNSS receivers that we are pairing with out in the field. So of course we've got our GPS constellation um, and there's a finite amount of uh, satellites that are available for that GPS constellation. And so with GNSS receivers, 
just as kind of an invitation, if you don't already know this, that when you're using a GNSS receiver, you're also drawing from the uh, European, the Asian, the Chinese, the Japanese, you know, in, in Japanese and Indian constellations as well. And so what that enables is more coverage, better coverage, a lot more satellites during your time in the field. As of June 20th, there were 113 satellites in that GNSS constellation between all of those uh, different regions uh, that we can draw from. But these are a lot of the uh, GNSS receivers that most people are using when they're utilizing Ecobot and field maps or collector. So the uh, Tremble R series, either R1, R2, or R12. Also the uh, the EOS uh, Aero series, and then the Juniper Geode, um, and we've we've heard great things from people who are utilizing all of these in the field, and we're going to get a nice mix of coverage of those today in our case studies as well. So, like, let's go ahead and take a look at the field data collection and the mapping portion of it, of of the workflow here in this new data ecosystem. And so just taking a look here at Ecobot, you know, most of you have probably heard, you know, sort of these numbers, wetland delineations twice as fast, et cetera. And so just leaning into that a little bit, you know, this isn't pie in the sky dreaming. This is what we're doing, whether that time's being picked up a little bit in the field, whether there's a lot of time being created in the office. But in general, this is what we're hearing. In some cases, we're hearing uh, more time, sometimes less, but this is sort of an, an averaging and uh, what our customers are doing with that extra time. They're winning more bids, doubling down their work with the same size team. You know, you can take on more projects when you're creating that much more time. And then we're also seeing a, a, a really nice upswing in terms of uh, companies' profitability profiles. Also, you know, for some of our government agencies, just seeing that way more, you know, creating projects that are much more cost effective. So let's talk a little bit more about the GNSS receivers, how uh, how we're connecting those. So again, we're using the the Bluetooth. So doing that uh, that that pairing, we're able to bring in the submeter accurate geospatial data actually into Ecobot itself. Again, uh, within the respect of the the data collection being in the field, you do not need the data connection in order to utilize. Ecobot in the field. And so we've got lots of great lookup tools, such as some of the uh, text, photographs, terminology, et cetera, from the uh, Army Corps of Engineers, regional supplements, depending on what, sup what region you selected at the beginning of your field work. But then again, looking inside of the mapping, again, whether you're using the mapper in Ecobot or if you're using uh, field maps or collector, being able to seamlessly jump back and forth between uh, what you're collecting data-wise and then also what you're seeing out in the field. And so we have built this tool from the inside out. You know, I've been doing wetland delineations for the past 20 years and Ecobot is really run as, you know, as a peer-driven business. And so as our customers and as our partners can we continue to grow relationships with people. We're able to make this better and better so that it meets the uh, highest expectations of uh, our industry's workflow and completing the Army Corps of Engineers protocol for wetland delineations. 
One of the exciting things that came out of this winter already in terms of new functionality is we launched our uh, dashboard editing so that if you're gathering data in the field, once you're back in the office, you can make those edits. Or if you're in the field, kind of as a rotating uh, project, you can also have people back at the office pulling down data or making potential changes as well. And then, of course, the, uh, the mapping portion of it is super exciting because we can seamlessly stitch back and forth by pulling the data in from our projects into ArcGIS and create the maps and models similar to what you're used to producing for submittals to the Army Corps of Engineers. So I think enough of that. I just wanted to kind of keep that super top level. But this is where we're working. Something that's ridiculously easy to use, something that is applicable company-wide, geospatially intelligent, creates a lot of efficiency. But again, more than anything, ridiculously easy to use. So let's take a look at uh, look at our case studies. And so first, I want to uh, invite in Erica and have her tell us a little bit about herself and SEH and uh, how you're using Ecobot. Hi, um, I'm Erica Pergandy. I'm with SEH and I'm in Wisconsin. I started using Ecobot last year. Um, I use it for all my wetland delineations. We did a tree farm last year and there was a lot of kind of hits where there could be wetlands. Wisconsin has what's called assured delineators. So we go through a process and if the DNR determines that, you know, your work is up to, to standards, they don't have to concur with the boundary. We really need to prove certain areas are not wetland if they even remotely look like they could be wetland. And so with things like soils or um, potential hits topographically, we wanna make sure that we're documenting those areas, even though we're out there and we're saying, there is no way that this is wetland. We don't want there to be any question. It was a pretty, pretty large site, 73 acres. And also because this is an area that is manipulated, it's really hard to see in some of the aerial photos what could be considered a wetland indicator, what might, might not be. It wasn't very straightforward. And so I knew that I had to do a lot of data points in this area. And the thing that helped me save a lot of time in the field was the clone feature in Ecobot. And that's because a lot of these areas were really the same. The soils were the same. A lot of the vegetation, you know, was a lot the same. We'd have to change some of the percentages, but, you know, we could go from point to point. We could look at the soils, you know, do a quick look and say, yep, this soil is the same as what we saw over at this data point. We can go ahead and clone this feature, change a little bit of the percentages if that that's different or if something you know, additional was planted there and then move on to the next data point. It did save us time in the field and it also saved us a lot of time back in the office because we had those data points. We had 20 data points ready to go. We didn't have to go back and transcribe all those data points that we took, um, which would have taken a good amount of time. 
And so because of that, we're able to get the reports out sooner and just really kind of streamline the process instead of, you know, we probably would have actually had to go back out there another day had we not had EcoBot and been able to use that feature. The project was an hour away from us, so that would have included another trip out there, another. So, I mean, I was really grateful for this project, especially um, to be using EcoBot and to really maximize the efficiency on this site. Great. Thank you, Erica. All right. So, uh, Jennifer, I believe you are up. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer. I'm with. I'm a biologist with ESC Partners in the Austin office. I have been with this company for about two years now, and I um, adopted EcoBot through um, my supervisor Nevin Durish, who is one of the more uh, one of the first customers of EcoBot. Um, so he's kind of relayed to me, you know, how much this time this app has saved and how efficient it is. Um, but in regards to me actually like experiencing it, um, I mean, I, I'm it's very efficient and it has helped a lot with the projects that I do. Um, and I can imagine how much time it saves. Right now, what I got going on with regards with EcoBot is just the app itself on an iPad and then the uh, ancient uh, Trimble GOXT receiver. I know Nevin has tried it with the uh, R1, but he just wasn't sure. There's a lot of tree cover in some of the sites that we have here in Texas, especially in the Houston area. So for now, I'm just kind of sticking with this, the Trimble and the EcoBot. Here at ESC Partners, um, our natural resource division is mostly located out of Austin, and most of our work is, is throughout Texas. But the site that EcoBot was definitely the most important aspect was a 4,000-acre site in Waller County, which is about northwest of Houston. So I had a 4,000-acre wetland delineation on this property um, in Waller County. It's pretty wet area. Uh, a lot of the um, wetlands were kind of small. Um, we had about 50 wetlands mapped in that area. There was a, a particularly low area down in the uh, southeastern corner of the site. So that was about about 200, a little over 200 data points collected on this site. And we were out in the field for about two months total. There was like one month um, total, and then it was kind of broken up as they kept adding more. Um, but we had large wetlands that even down to half acre ones um, and smaller. So EcoBot definitely was uh, essential and collecting all of this data, keeping it organized, keeping it in one spot. You know, we had one iPad, you know, as long as we kept it charged, it was there. Transcribing that, I mean, it would have probably taken an extra week with those paper forms. Kind of what Erica was talking about regarding like the clone feature and, and just being able to go back easily. Um, since this was such a large site, some of the vegetation varied. Just, you know, there was some more wooded areas. There was a little bit of more open pasture land. And, you know, being out there day to day, um, we would see a plan, you know, in the beginning of the week and then at the end of the week, you know, might see it again and, oh, man, what is that? So I really appreciated how easy it was, you know. Oh, I remember it was this point, so I just go back and EgoBot, check out, you know, the plant list right there. Oh, easy, I remember it now. It's just instead of going through all the, the papers and whatnot, it was just really easy to go back for reference. Yeah, definitely saved a lot of time. Definitely was able to keep it 
a lot more organized. So yeah, so we completed the the field work, you know, under budget. It was, you know, a large project. Um, I think because of EcoBot, I didn't feel overwhelmed. It honestly was my first project that I kind of took on my own for being such a large site. It definitely was less stress-inducing to have all the organization and the efficiency of EcoBot as well. And being just being able to uh, download the, the form super easily as well, that that's very efficient. So I'm definitely a strong advocate for this. And um, yeah, I mean, we're able to start a project, complete it, jump on the next one. It's definitely a, a great uh, asset to have. All right. Well, let's jump over to Chris, who's a co-owner in BDY. My name is Chris Fleming. Uh, as Jeremy said, uh, uh, part owner of BDY Environmental. I've got a uh, master's in botany, but I've been doing wetland stream ecology work for uh, approximately 20 years. Our firm, while it's based in Nashville, we work primarily in Tennessee and adjacent states. Uh, we do go to North Carolina and, and Kentucky and uh, the northern parts of uh, states to the south. So our workflow currently is EcoBot. We use Esri field maps. And uh, currently, uh, I'm pairing with an EOS Aero 100 receiver. We also have an R2 receiver. That's what I initially started uh, using. But, you know, due to COVID, you know, we, we went remote real quick. And we needed additional receivers. I didn't want to buy an R2. So I'd seen the arrow and you know, I reached out and purchased one of those for about a quarter of the price of an R2. And I won't look back. So this is just a, a case study. This is a project we worked on in January. Uh, we had about, I think we had four people on site doing the work. And, uh, our scope was to delineate the boundaries of the wetlands. You know, once again, going back to COVID, this allows us to, you know, using field maps and Ecobot now with the interface, you know, we can upload that data, you know, from the field and then people back in the office can have it immediately to work on or somebody from their home. And so we use field maps for, you know, offline field data collection. And then we use the Ecobot for the wetland delineation sheets. So we're not using the built-in, you know, features. One thing we we do like about field maps is the attachments that you can attach to every point you take. And you know, you have attached up to 15 photographs on one individual point, and it's just nice to have that organized, you know, geotagged and right there for you. So on this site, we delineated uh, 13 wetlands. And it's cumulatively 3.63 acres. And there was 266 points delineating the boundaries of each of those, of, of all those wetlands. For those 13 wetlands, I had 259 photograph attachments. We tend to take way too many photographs, but I would rather have the photographs when I get back to the office than not. And so, you know, they're tied to the points and you can view them in Arc Pro, you can view them in AGOL. And we run a script just to pull them out and, you know, put them in a file so we can, you know, use them for our reports. For this project, we did uh, 19 uh, regional field forms with Ecobot. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the back end of Ecobot that was recently put out. The way, the reason I like collecting our data like this is it's more structured 
and it decreases office processing time. So you have multiple people working on a project or other projects and you know what they're collecting and how they're collecting it. So if somebody shares data with you, you know what's coming in and how it looks. And then the Ecobot interface, this is something I really like. It encourages the user to fully consider all the indicators and plant species. When you're doing field forms, end of the day, you're burned out. You're sick of them. They're muddy. You can't even read them anymore. You can go down. It sort of you know, encourages you to read through all the indicators. And then all the, you know, lookup tools, those are great. You know, what, what is the soil indicator, you know, is, and so you can actually read through those and see pictures and it's, it's a great help, um, especially somebody that may be new to delineations. And then I'm, you know, I'm a botanist, but I don't, sedges are terribleness. But the nice thing is if you go to the search tool and you can say, okay, I know it's this genus. You know, and then you type that genus into the search bar and you get like five results and you're like, well, four of those don't even occur in the state. So it's got to be this one. You know, it allows you to deduce what you may have in front of you. And then on the back end, you know, this is what I was speaking about earlier. It allows you to go back in and say, you know, if I have Carrick Spa on something, I could take it back and key it out and then go to the back end and identify it accurately. And another thing is with the dominance, I mean, the prevalence index, you know, you got real time calculations and you could be like, a lot of the wetlands we look at are terrible. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, their cattle's been rolling in them for 80 years. And a lot of these are, you know, fairly marginal. You got a lot of upland species encroachment. And is it going to be below three? Is it 3.1 or is it 2.8? Five. And so that gives you an idea when you're in the field of what you what you really have. And then I like the real-time sharing of data. You know, I'm in West Tennessee working. I need this report out. I just send it, send it to the cloud. Somebody in Nashville can start on the report. It's it's allowed us to increase our efficiency on larger projects uh, and meet client expectations and, and budgets. Thank you for listening to the Ecobot podcast. In the next episode, we'll hear more from our panel as they answer questions on hyper-efficient wetland delineations and field preparation. If you like what you heard, take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about how Ecobot is helping transform the industry and to see what we can do to help your company, you can find us at www.ecobotapp.com. I'm Jeremy Shavey, and I'll see you next time on the Ecobot Podcast.